This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Callum McSwiggan on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Callum McSwiggan Show. Today I am joined by probably one of the most incredible guests we've ever been blessed with on this show. Opposite me is the unbelievably incredible Rose McGowan. Thank you, Callum. What a lovely introduction. It's, it's, it's one you deserve. Now, I, I, I want to jump right in and start talking about your book, Brave. Um, I've spent all afternoon reading this oh, wow. and I've, I've not finished it, I must confess. And I'm just, I'm completely blown away by its brutal honesty you know i feel like i don't it sounds like a cliche to say that the book is brave because that's literally the title but it is unbelievable do you want to for anyone who doesn't know about it do you want to do you want to give us the spiel yeah i'll give you the spiel so i started writing brave um a little over three years ago and it predated all the me too stuff and all of that so that was not that's not what it's about Mm. i would say it's a cross between an autobiography and a motivational book you'll get to the motivational part when you finish it (laughs) and it's really to inspire people to be brave in their own lives and i use um, my own stories uh, not as examples necessarily bravery but as, as examples of just getting through it you know mm. what I mean and and I did grow up in something that's called a cult and so I compare the cult I grew up in to the cult of Hollywood and how it affects your mind in ways you're not aware of but with um, hopefully entertaining and sometimes hard stories you know? yeah yeah I, I, I find the comparison between the cult of Hollywood as you call it and and the actual cult that you grew up in really really striking I think it's there's something about that comparison that, that really, it, it kind of, it digs its nails in and it really, really gets into you. And I just, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting how um, so many people always said it's so weird how you grew up. And I always think it's so weird how you live, because I think a lot of people are in various forms of cults and the cult of thought, the cult mm-hmm. of gender, the cult of sexuality, the cult of all of it, you know, and there's so many levels of cults. And I guess because I got such an intense firsthand knowledge of it, you know, um, I got to grow up in a really interesting way for the first 10 years of my life. I grew up without mirrors. Yeah. And it gave me this kind of weird superpower in that once I left the cult, once we escaped and I came to America and everyone was telling me how much better my life was going to be. And it, it was one of just they were trying to force me to conform every single day. Mm. And it was just a, it was a fight, you know, and it's, it's a real fight in the society to retain who you are and, and your creativity before they steal it from you. Yeah. I think there's this, this, this definitely, I know you say it's, it's different from me too, and it absolutely is, but the patriarchal kind of, that is a theme that is running there throughout, you know, when you're in the cult in the beginning, but then when you do escape, if that's the right word for it into America, and then it's there again in the form, of you know an abusive partner of your mother etc and I think that in itself is it, I mean it's it's very topical but it also is it's an enormous problem that I think so many people out there are facing it is an enormous problem and, and the patriarchy is a cult it's it's definitely a cult and women this is you know a lot of people I think when you say patriarchy they're like man hater and that's yeah. not it I'm a structure hater I hate I hate forced thought and it's the patriarchy believe me women have signed up for that too yeah you know that's it's not um it's not a gendered thing 
Mm. I, th- I think you touch upon that as well about yeah. um, how a lot of women almost, and it's not it's not necessarily their own fault, but a lot of people, women, are complicit in it. Very much so, and it's deep brainwashing. Yeah, you know, and I, I, when people were coming at me growing up in the cult and it, with all these attempts to brainwash me, and I was born sensitive to tell you the truth because it didn't make much sense. Mm. You know, things like sit on your bed all day long and learn how to snap your fingers so God will teach you to drive in your 16. I'm like, I don't know what a car is, but I'm fairly sure God is not involved in it. Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a, ri- a part that I really, really liked where you talk about this is not my God. I can't remember. I don't yeah. want to quote yeah. it because I'll, I'll butcher it. But no, that, but that moment of, you know, kind of understanding that maybe yourself you believe in maybe something else out there but you didn't want to go by their definition of god because it was i mean a little bit crazy it, it was uh, just a little bit crazy just a tad just, yeah you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of like ireland calling things the troubles yes like, it's just, it's just a touch. <laughs> it's very delicate yeah uh it was intense you know and the, but there was a lot of beauty i grew up in tuscany and there was a duke that was in the group so i grew up you know kind of on his estate mm-hmm. So I guess if you have to be in a cult, do it in Italy, do it in Tuscany, because it's, you know, River Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, the Phoenix family, they grew up in the same group, but they grew up in the Venezuelan jungles. And yeah. that's a lot of mosquitoes and probably um, just a hard life. You know? yeah. And ours was psychologically difficult. Yeah. And it was a lot of psychological warfare. And it just... it. It's strange. My whole life has been one of kind of battling the norm because I don't understand what it is about us that people want to crush when people are different, when people are free. There's something about it. They want to try to break you. And mm. and I say uh, in my book, I say, do not bend yourself to make others feel taller. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. It's really poetic. You, you speak as well a lot about um, the poetry of life. And you mentioned Italy being the backdrop of you growing up and the beauty of it. And I think you talk about the way that you perceived that was almost like your escape, the, your way to get out of that. Yeah, I think I was creating art in my head before I started doing it. And I, I think everything and all of us are artists in mm. our own life. You know, again, before that gets taken out of you, don't color outside the lines, blah, blah, blah. But the way I looked at things, and my father, besides being the leader of a cult, was also a fine artist, and he Mm. was incredible. And I feel like I saw things in almost a kind of a psychedelic way, like colors everywhere. And and I have something called synesthesia, and that's... Oh, the music thing. That's actually chromesthesia. Oh, okay. Which is a subsidiary of synesthesia. Synesthesia is that you experience emotion and color. Wow. And so for the... It's almost like it looks to me like, let's say you have green light, but there's a smoke machine through it. Yeah. And, And I'll have a certain feeling, and instead of being able to identify by word what the feeling is... I, although I had to teach myself what things meant, I would have kind of like a green cloud float around me. Wow. But chromesthesia is, and it seems like this would be even, this would be a lot harder, that every time you hear a sound or music, you it, associate, it, you associate it with, with color. That. But there's so much music in the world. That's a lot yeah, of color. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. What what color are you feeling right now? What are we seeing? Ooh, orange. Orange? Good. Yeah, that's a good color. I feel like I'm feeling very orange ah, right now. you look very orange. <laughs> the color of your book, I the mean. The color of my book. It <laughs> is also my, fluorescent orange happens to be my favorite color. And, and and I guess all of these experiences, do they almost contribute to your art? I don't want to romanticize or glorify any of yeah. this, obviously, but do they? Do you find it contributes to your art, to your, to your acting, to your music, I know is something that you're venturing into now? Well, certainly with acting, I had a lot to draw upon. I had a lot of pain to draw upon and, and, and beauty. And I've always had this weird ability to kind of snap out of my body and float above on the ceiling and look down on things from above. And 
I was discovered, and maybe you haven't gotten to that part of my book yet, but I was discovered in Hollywood. I was never trying to be an actress, so yeah. I don't really have um, that hole inside of me that needs to be filled by fame. It's yeah. just a, it was something that kept me apart and at odds with, um, not at odds, but it kept me kind of psychologically apart from my fellow actors because it, it's an ism, and I'm not saying all of them want to be famous by any stretch, but in Hollywood an awful lot do. Yeah. And, and that seems to be the motivation. And it, it was just a really weird um, thing that I don't have. But I think, yeah, you utilize things. It's, it's kind of like psychological torture and abuse. You mm. dig up all these. Uh, the way they would say if I had to do a crying scene or something, which could take all day, so you're crying for about 12 hours roughly, is I would, it's almost like this trash can inside of me filled with pain and I would just lift the lid off. I wouldn't think of any particular incident. But then they say cut and you have to shove it all back down and be normal on the set so people don't think you're a weirdo and you don't make people uncomfortable. And it, I, I always felt really bad for my body because your body doesn't know that you're tricking it. Yeah. Well, you speak again a lot in your book about the commodification of your own body, but also the yeah. female body. And would you say that that's a part of that? You know, you're you're almost being, I don't want to say used, but your emotions are being something that is oh, you are for other people's. Used. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I guess so. It's kind of like a couch that gives something to you, a couch that talks almost, a right? A couch that talks. A couch that talks in a miniskirt. Yeah. Now and I'm thinking of couches wearing miniskirts. <laughs> <laughs> and and how do we, I'm, I mean, I guess there's not an easy answer to this, but, you know, we you, you talk so much about the, the, the cult of Hollywood, and I think you've done such amazing work in speaking out against it. But I feel like it's, you know, do you think we will ever manage to get away from that? Do you think we'll ever manage to break the cycle? You know, we see, you know, news stories even recently about R. Kelly and things like that. Mm. And but that's not a new story. That's been around for I've, so I've, long. For so long. And, it's and, just only now that people are like, you know what? Until there's evidence, kind of thing. It's, it's just like, th- well, they also treat young women very much, and and certainly actresses like you wore a short skirt, you deserved it. And that short skirt happens to be your face or your body. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even have to wear a short skirt for you to be treated like that. And it is a commodification. And and I never knew I was an artist. It didn't occur to me because it didn't feel particularly artful necessarily what I was doing. And it seemed like with acting, that's only reserved for, you know, like the super fancy actors. Yeah. They're artists, but the ones... And for me, I looked at acting and being famous as a really bizarre day job. It is, I mean, it is a bizarre day job and a taxing day job at that. It's a very strange <laughs> day job with a lot of um, psychological warfare going on. Yeah. And, and, and are you, want, you wanting to break away from acting now? Because I, yeah. I, I know at the beginning of the book you say that you were defined as an actress and you don't want to be defined that way. You want to be defined as an activist or you know, a person more than and anything. And an author. I mean, I, and I, an author, and, yeah. And, and, and I just want to be me. Yeah. I, I don't want to be... I hate it when you have to... When you land somewhere and they, you make you fill out the boarding card and you have to write down your profession. Yeah. I hated writing actress for so long because it, it comes with so many stereotypes and they look at you like, oh... And they would always say like... They would either recognize me or be like, oh, what have you been in? Give me your credits. And it's kind of like you don't meet a dentist and you're like, whose teeth have you filled? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and people get, and I don't know if you get this too, but when you're in kind of a creative field, people put you kind of on trial for it. Yeah, 100%. It, they kind of strangely resent it. And I don't know if that's something that they feel like they missed in their own life or they're just being dicks. Mm. I don't know. I, th- I do think it is strange when we talk to like kids growing up. It's always like, what do you want to be when you're older? And it's singular. It's, it's not, singular. you know. It's singular. And I, I talk about that in my book too, towards the end. I've not it, got there yet. No, but it's very, <laughs> it's very uplifting at the end you have to get through some stuff to mm-hmm. get there but it's worth it and it, it, yeah they they 
what is this one thing you do? And, and I don't understand why just because I'm paid to do something that that has to be the one thing that I do. If I'm doing other things, even if I'm not making money, how is that not valid as to what I do? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Rose. It's a pleasure, Kat. Um, we're going to have a little bit of music now and then we'll get on to some more juicy topics. So this is a little bit of I Need a Night Out by Chelsea Grimes. I don't have much money I don't have a car One thing I would like to talk about, Rose, is your fantastic hair. Because, I mean, the, 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 the striking picture of, the, of you on the front of Brave, the way you present yourself now. But I know that you talk about, I think even the intro of the book, you talk a lot about your hair and that forming a part of your identity. And it was something that you hid behind, but also that you felt really defined you before. And you, you've broken away from those shackles now. I have broken away from the hair shackles. And it, and it was, you know, I always, when I was growing up, I always had short hair, really short hair. And I kind of liked, I didn't want to be a boy. I just didn't want to be a girl. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to occupy a space that, that was neither. Mm. And then when I went to Hollywood and... Um, I had done a stint of homelessness when I was 13, so I had this, like, really hardcore fear of being homeless again, which is understandable, yeah, I absolutely. think. Yeah, absolutely. And this female agent, who was my agent, the women in Hollywood can really mess with your mind, and, and, uh, and maybe in the world, but my experience was in Hollywood. And she said, uh, you know, the men in Hollywood won't want to fuck you unless you have long hair, and if they don't want to fuck you, they're not going to hire you. And... I just took it as, well, this lady's older than me and she must know all these rules. And that's the whole thing of Hollywood. It's built on these invisible rules. So when I shaved my head and I talk in the book about how I kept getting this question of, so did you break up with someone? And it was always from women that asked me that question. Yeah. And, you know, who can be very much sexist themselves, um, if not the most, really. Yeah. You know, uh, internalized sexism. But... Uh, I did break up with someone. I realized I was like, no, I just broke up with the world. The world, yeah. Yeah, I just, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to look like a traditional woman. And, and I say in there, you know, just do a check of yourself. Do you look the way you want to look because you look that way and you want to look that way? Or are you doing it for outward approbation and approval? Yeah. Do, do, do you think, um, you know, your agent saying that at such a pivotal, pivotal moment of your career has, has stuck with you? Yeah. And you feel like that was why it was such a big breakaway when you did that. Yes. And it, it was really um, also a way of cutting the line of like not really being able to go back as an actress when you have a bald head. Or, yeah. You know, everyone's like, are you doing it for a role? I'm like, absolutely not. No. This is just me and this who, I, just who me. I want to be. Yeah. There was also a moment where you talk about in Brave, your book, you were speaking about when you went for your role in Scream, which was one of your first roles. And also, yeah. I know you're very widely known for that. Yeah. Um, and you were, cor correct me if I'm wrong, but you were told that you had to dye your hair blonde in order to get that role? No, that was actually my idea. Oh, that was your idea. Because, um, and it was such a hideous blonde, God bless. <laughs> it was perfect for the character. It was yeah. a very middle America kind of character. But what happened is they'd hired Nev Campbell, this actress, and she had dark hair. And I knew I had dark hair. And I thought, oh, God, in Hollywood, they will never hire two people with the same hair color. Unless they're playing sisters, in which case you all have to have the same hair color. Because <laughs> otherwise people won't know your sisters. My sisters naturally have blonde hair and my hair is naturally dark and we manage. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was – so I was in the meeting and I said – the this producer woman had 
blonde hair. And I said, who's your hair colors? Because today I'm thinking of going and dyeing my hair blonde. And, Very clever. And it was like you saw their eyes light up. And, and that was really how I got that role. I mean, we laugh at how ridiculous it is. But, it, but I mean, the fact that it is that way is a, it's a little bit terrifying, it's really. It's terrifying. And it gives, it's propaganda. And it gives you this mirror. It gives everybody this mirror to look in. And it's such a binary, narrow mirror. And, you know, the statistics for the Directors Guild of America, which... Um, haven't changed since 1946 is 96% male directors. Mm. And so you're getting, and, and primarily white male directors, and you're getting a, just just nothing wrong with a white male perspective, but if that's the only perspective you're getting, and they're giving people the mirror to look into about race, they're getting the mirror to look into about sexuality, they're getting the mirror, you know what I mean? All that stuff, and it's just like, it's such bullshit, and it's, I say it in the book. I'm like, I know these people. They shouldn't be in your mind. Yeah. And they do. Um, a lot of it is really quite dangerous. Have you have you had the, I was going to say pleasure, but it really shouldn't be, um, <laughs> the pleasure of working with uh, f- female directors? I worked with two of them, and they were um, as horrible as the men. Really? I because was, they're conditioned and part of this, this, this world? Completely. Uh, they, they took it upon themselves to behave very much like the male directors I'd worked with. One of them was... It just it was wild, and I was completely flummoxed mm. because I like that word flummoxed. 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 <laughs> uh, because I was playing in both p- movies, very strong women, and they came for me so hard, and I didn't understand. What like trying trying to take you down? A, oh, completely. A, a notch. One of them, when I came on set for the first time in front of, I had a film a scene in a boxing ring not I was in the boxing club so there's like a hundred extras and men in the ring so it's it's all men and then I walk in the room so it's all this testosterone and I was wearing I shouldn't even have to qualify what I was wearing which she approved was a skirt to my knees boots to my knees tights a big jacket and a turtleneck or roll neck and she said in front of everybody she's like wow you look like a whore well, oh we don't gosh. have any time to change yeah. this. Okay, action. And I'm in the first take, I, I had like a squeak of a voice, you know, mm. and I was supposed to play this really strong woman. Yeah. And I just thought, what the hell is going on? And yeah. it, I was very disappointed. And I'm sure, you know, not all male directors are dickheads, and I'm sure not all female directors are dickheads. I just happen to work with two dickheads. Yeah. You were talking about when, when, when you were in Scream that you you didn't want your character to almost be become a, like a horror trope, you know, no. become the, the character who's just killed off again, the, the, a commodification kind Correct. of thing, um, and that you wanted to bring life to that character. Yeah. And now I was actually really delighted to read this in Brave. Um, my, one of my favorite horror moments of all time is the garage it's door. The garage door. It's it's incredible, and I love that you mentioned that specifically. But you you did your own stunts for that, and you got bruises and. Oh, I always I primarily in almost all my movies did my own stunts, which led to a lot of injuries. Um, but that one was pretty fun. I didn't notice all the bruising until later. I was just happy to go up and down on a garage door mm. over and over. It was like a fun ride at you know, <laughs> like a theme park or something. But it was. Um, but that's how I learned that um, I can I could fit through a garage a doggy door. A cat door. Well, halfway. Halfway. Well, in reality, <laughs> they had to nail my shirt in because I kept falling through it. Really? So I can fit through it. And so ever since, uh. and I, I talk about I fit into, when I was younger, um, I 
broke into my own house and stole a bunch of Christmas presents to pawn them at the pawn shop, you'll get to that story. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, but later, like every time I lock myself out, I just go through the dog door. I, I love that. I love that. It's a, it's a, it's a life skill that you've it's learned. A li- I'm like, thanks, movies. <laughs> well, um, I've got a little game for you, if, if you would be inclined to play. Uh, this game is called Porn or Not Porn. Okay. Um, Am I in any of them? I, I don't actually know. Okay. We're going to be a team. Um, so some of these clips are taken from horror films okay. um, in homage to Scream. Um, and some of these are taken from porn and we have to figure out which are which. Okay. Uh, but we're a team. I don't know the answers. The lovely producers are going to tell me. Okay. So we're going to work together on this. Are you ready for the first yes. one? Okay, here we go. Hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting one. I'm going to say not porn. Yeah, it's, it's because of the horror mu- music. It's the music, but I guess, I mean, maybe they have horror porn. Yeah, I, they definitely do have horror porns. I've, I've clicked into a few dark corners <laughs> of the internet. Pornhub, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I love about Pornhub, actually? Have you ever been into that? Not that you frequent Pornhub, but... The, the chat room? The comment sections, yeah. They're all so supportive of each other. You know, you would think if you went onto Pornhub, you'd think that the comments would be quite um, insidious and nasty, but actually it's quite like... This is wonderful. Good for you. You know, you get about out the there. porn act, porn about, the, about the actress and about the actresses the act- oh, themselves. Wonderful. And like, oh, this is you know, you even see like, oh, this is so well shot. The director on this oh is amazing. Oh my god, that's hilarious. And it, it's certainly well, that's much nicer than people say about actors. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. If yeah. they're online commenting on actors or something, it's generally not that nice. Yeah. Should we listen to? So the, we yeah. <laughs> should we have the clip again? So you're saying not porn? I'm going to say not porn. Okay, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to I'm going to say horror as well. Okay. We are saying horror. Final answer. This is not porn. This is from Wish Upon, uh, 2017, and this is uh, Sherilyn Fenn's character, Mrs. Deluca, gets her hair stuck in a blender. <laughs> very horror. Very very horror. Very horror. <laughs> hair stuck in a blender. I'm th- literally thinking like, how did they do that trick? How interesting. Poor Sherilyn Fenn. That's. I feel like that's such an actress thing to say. You know to to. To, to recognize yeah, I'm like, how did they how did they, how did they do that yeah, yeah. now I'm gonna have to watch the movie <laughs> all right let's have our next one. Oh my god please don't kill me please I'll do anything I really hope this isn't porn I think it is porn yeah, that makes me a bit oh, uncomfortable yeah I think it is porn because the um, acting quality Mm. Listen Though to I, it again. I've, I have seen a few good, like, really oh, yeah, talented. Some are, good. Some are really but good. Most, but mo- not so much. <laughs> oh my God. Please don't kill me. Please, I'll do anything. Yeah, I, I like see what you mean. There's like a flatness to the last, I'll do anything. Yeah. That's, that strikes me as porn. Yeah, I think, I think porn. I okay. think what you're saying, porn? Final answer. Final answer. And it is indeed. This is from the worst Halloween porno. Um, and a sexy killer comes after a girl with a fake knife. I wonder if he does kill her after having sex with her. That would be lovely. Ah, uh, I was going to say with consent, but you really can't consent to that. No, that's a that's definitely Mom, Dad, murder. Guess what I did today? <laughs> right, let's have our next one. Yeah, like this. No, keep both eyes open. Keep your sights on the target. I feel like that's a movie. I feel like that's a movie. Yeah, I did. You catch what they were saying? I didn't quite. Like something about a target. Yeah, like this. No, keep both eyes open. Keep your sights on the target. Keep your thighs open? Keep your sights. <laughs> Keep your thighs open on the target. <laughs> Keep your sights open. Keep mm. your sights open. Mm. So there's some funny sound in the beginning, so I could see how it could be porn, but I think it's a movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think we are saying this is not porn and this is a horror film. And this is indeed, it is from Child's Play 3. 
Um, and it's De Silva is teaching Barkley how to shoot a gun. I don't know who those characters are. Wasn't Sherilyn Fenn's character in the other one also called De Silva? M- maybe. Hmm. I, maybe. I'm thinking <laughs> of... <laughs> I liked Child's Play. I feel like that was a... I, never a... See... I don't watch horror films. No? Not at all? No, I get terrible nightmares. I... I'm fine with real dead bodies because in the break, Callum and I were talking about how I worked when I was 14 at a funeral home, um, moving, helping move people around and yeah. stuff and um so i've seen a lot of dead bodies but no horror films they even on sets when i've done horror films i avert my eyes really yeah it's i don't know what it is i guess yeah i don't i, I just I, don't like i i think like my life can be scary enough I yeah guess, you know? yeah the world is i feel like i'm just desensitized to horror because of you know the real horrors in the world well look at you <laughs> <laughs> all right let's have our next one <laughs> That sounds like Mary Poppins or something to me. Hello. <laughs> I tried oh. to see the new Mary Poppins. I had to walk out. It was I, I, I'm a big fan of Emily Blunt, but I've not. I just don't. I, mm, it was really bad. I'm not. Yeah, it doesn't. The costumes were amazing. Yeah, that's a good that's thing. That. <laughs> Let's hear that again. Oh, oh okay. Hello. Mm. I'm going to say movie. Yeah, I feel like the the, the production budget on that sounds pretty high. You know, the sound quality sounds good. Um, So, yeah, I feel like horror movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what we're saying. We are saying it is a horror movie. Um, And it is indeed. It is from Scary Movie 2. um, And this is Alex being lifted out of bed by an invisible man. I feel like in a sexual context. That actually happened to me. You got lifted out of bed by an invisible... The weirdest thing. I lived um, a couple years ago in New York... uh, adjoining a cemetery. I sound like I have a strange morbid thing going on here, but uh, maybe I do. But I love cemeteries. They're so beautiful and peaceful. And I had this, I, I thought my then boyfriend had come home and picked me up. And I was in this strange position in bed and there was absolutely nobody there. And I had been asleep and, oh, I, wow. and I was in a seated position with my legs kind of up in the air when I woke up. And that's I could have crazy. sworn he came and picked me up. So that's my ghost story. Do you think that could be like a, a sleep paralysis thing? Or do you, do you really mm-hmm. believe that there was somebody there lifting I you? Think, I think like Scary Movie 2, the invisible man came to visit. And he came and... Yeah, he came and... But I, we didn't have sex. Okay, good. It, I, it stopped there. But what... Yeah, you, astral projection, that's a thing you're into, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, ever since I was little. Have you ever managed to? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do this weird sleep thing where I can go to sleep and take a nap, say, at Monday at 2 p.m., and I wake up two days later. Wow. With no awareness that I've been asleep, but I go traveling. I need that skill in my life. I want to go traveling. It's such a, <laughs> it's a good skill, and I think that's how I, I left my body. It's yeah. just, you know, so much, like how to even act. I was like, well, I know how to just get out it's a, a separation thing like an escape it is and you can and and sometimes you know when you're falling asleep and all of a sudden you jerk yeah or you're like, <gasps> like that that I, falling feeling it's that falling feeling and i think i think that is a separation thing as well mm. like it's like you're separating but then you get sucked back into your body i think i think there's a lot more to the world that we don't understand and i always like to say that anything like in the realms of magic is um it, it's like science we just don't understand yet yeah, and I think it's okay. I mean, I'm not going to go watch, you know, some ghost show on TV or something, but I there's so much we don't understand. If we think we know it all, we're 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 that's that's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Should we have our last one? Okay. Okay, here we go. Hello, my sweet child. I sense you're frightened. Wow, that that's That one's hard. That's a whole new level of creepy, which again could go either way. I'm going to go porn. Yeah. I, I don't want it to be porn, but I think you might be right. I don't know if I'm right, but I, I kind of want it to be porn. <laughs> so I think we're going to go with the desire for it to be porn. I, I think, let, let, let's listen to it again. Hello, my sweet. 
Yeah, I'm going to say porn as I well. I think it's sound quality. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we are saying porn. Final answer. And the answer is, it is indeed. This is erotic ASMR, and it's a female vampire attempting to seduce somebody. Do you know about ASMR? ASMR, ASMR is, um, I, don't, I don't really know exactly what it is, but it's like you get like tingles when you listen to like whispering sounds. So there are all these oh, YouTube channels out there with millions of views, and it's people just, whispering. you know, just whispering. I think I have my new career. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of money in it. People love it. Wow, that's so interesting. (laughs) People are so interesting. They're really fascinating. And you would just pass somebody in the street and never know they were into whispering (laughs) points. Exactly that. Um, Hey, we did really well. We did do well. I think, was that five out of five? Five out of five. Five out of five. Congratulations. Thank Um, you. That almost never happened. So if we had a leaderboard in here, let's just pretend no one can see. Would I be at the top of it? You're you? right at the top Yay. of the leaderboard. Nailed it. Nailed it. Should we have some more music, Rose? Let's. Well, I've got a little treat for you. You do. Um, this is actually one of your songs. This is, uh, I might have, Serene? Serene. Serene. Okay. Sirene, actually. And it's on Spotify. And I just put it out. Um, I'm working on an album called Planet Nine. And I work with these French um, kind of electropop producers and a guy named DJ Falcon and a band called Punishment, and which sounds really tough, but it's Punishment. Punishment. Because it's Paris. Nice. And, uh, and, and he produced my favorite Daft Punk track, DJ Falcon, and I tracked him down to Biarritz uh, in the south of France, and we made a wow. song together. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I'm going to confess I've not heard this either, no. so I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. Let's do it. So we were talking a lot about the patriarchy before and men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, where are you going with this, Kelly? <laughs> um, and there's one thing in particular that I know you've talked about before, and that is the responsibility of gay men to speak up for other people. Um, and I think there's actually a lot in that. I don't know if it was... It uh, wasn't well received when I said it. Was um, it not? No, I had a lot of... Uh, a lot of but it's interesting if you say it... It doesn't matter who you say it to. If you say you're sexist to anybody, they mm. they they get in a big huff. Mm-hmm. But I think um, if you're formed as a man in this world, regardless of being gay or not, you have a privilege, you and have, you have, you're, and you're going to have an indoctrination mm-hmm. level that we have to unwire. You know what I mean? And we have to work hard to unwire our belief systems without even, you know. I was with a gay friend the other night, and he he said. Um, he was like, some days I feel more like a man, you know, those days when I'm feeling ambitious and hard and then days when I'm feeling sensitive, it's like a woman. I'm like, so a woman can't be ambitious. And, uh, and I didn't say yeah. that instead of a woman can't be because that's usually when people tune out. I just actually simply said like, oh, why would you say that? Yeah. And get them to do the work. And and for me, where I came at with, um, with gay males needing to um, kind of spread the support around um, intersectionality and that whole thing was because I fought for gay rights my entire life. I had my eye socket smashed when I was 12 in a gay pride march. Mm-hmm. You know, I was assaulted. And um, I fought, I've bled, I've donated, I've screamed, I've cried. And, and it's because this was my community. 100%. And I was so terrified most of the time, honestly, of straight men that I hid in that community. And, yeah. and these were my brothers, and these are my sisters, but especially brothers. And I would just say, you know, like we should all be helping everybody out, but it's, 
One of the things for me is that sexual harassment isn't actually my cause. Uh, that's something I just, I was on a book tour and Me Too kicked off and everybody was asking me about it. So I would just answer and I kind of unwittingly became the poster child of that whole thing. Yeah, you got pigeonholed. I got that. really yeah. pigeonholed. And my thing is broader consciousness raising. Like what if we could address overall consciousness and then this will trickle down and help people in, in activism that's in a, in a more... Um, specific kind of role of activism, yeah. right? In gay rights, this is something in trans rights. These are these are so incredibly important, but they're so interlinked with racism, with hatred towards women. With it's so all interlinked. If if gay men are taught to not be feminine, why is that? That's because or you're shunned because you're perceived some of them to be feminine. That's because of hatred for women. That's, that, that, that I do feel like there is an, 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 an insidious misogyny there. And it's there something is. that I've, you know, I feel like I've probably been guilty of this in the past. I'm sure I've you know, been guilty of it. Yeah, yeah. And you I know, we all are. We're I, in this society. There's, yeah. there's almost no way you can't be. But you can check yourself. And when you hear yourself saying something, you know, do, do a moment of like, wait, why did I just say that? Or why did I just behave that way? And, and do like a, an internal check and, and you'll sort it out for yourself and be better. I, I think that's the really important thing. And I do, you know, I do like to try and take the responsibility myself. And I'd like to see more gay men kind of doing that, especially because I feel like, you know, when it comes to equality and how much, you know, LGBT plus issues have advanced and things, it tends to be the, the, the gay men that are reaping all the benefits while, you know, other intersectional minorities are kind of at the bottom, often forgotten about whether that's lesbian women, trans people, non-binary people, um, people of color, etc. Exactly. People with disabilities even. I, you know, women are so instrumental in gay rights, in, in its history, and as it should be, Yeah, you know, um, straight or gay, and, and certainly trans women who kicked off Stonewall and that whole thing and, and, and fought so hard for rights and are still fighting so hard for rights. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the white male power structure is what it is. It is what it is, and it's there, and it's a thing, and we have to acknowledge we it, have and, to acknowledge and fight it. it. And it, and it is, and it is incumbent upon us to fight it because it's no way to live like a free person. If you want to be, you know, my thing, my movement. If anything, I was sitting around one night smoking weed because I'm in California and I can, <laughs> haha. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, can I be a better person? I wonder what percentage of a better person I could be. And I decided on this arbitrary number of ten percent. And then I kind of started thinking. I bet everybody could be 10% better. And yeah. the way I raised myself, because um, I lived on my own since very, very young, I didn't know what to do a lot of times, and I was very riddled with fear. And so I would wonder what my best self would do in a situation or think about something, and I would imitate that best self until it started gelling and just being me. Really like and I that. think that's something we can all do, you know what I mean? And it'll help us be free. It'll help us be there for each other more. If we address just being a better and, and smarter person, it'll help so many other things. Absolutely. Can, can I be 8% better? I feel like 10 you is You can a, be 10%. It's a stretch. It's really funny if I said that number <laughs> to anybody in L.A. They'd be like, mm, maybe 3%. <laughs> I'm like, oh, L.A., L.A., L.A. <laughs> Um, I, I hope you take this as a compliment, but I think the one thing that I have always admired you most for is your LGBT activism, and I think I would. Of course, I take that as a compliment. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to box you in anywhere, but if I was to choose one label that I would like to assign to you, I would say Thank you. LGBT activist. And do you think some of? Do you think that's overshadowed sometimes? Yes, very and, much so, and and kind of um, dismissed a lot yeah. of times. You know, I've had. I'm someone who's. Um, a lot of people have dismissed me. 
through mm-hmm. the years. And, you know, I'm someone who did a movie with this amazing uh, gay writer-director named Darren Stein. It was called Jawbreaker. And there, it was it was turned down by people because there was a scene, my character is, you know, to her hot boyfriend, the football player guy. She makes him, like, deep throat this... Um, this uh, popsicle and she's like suck it and see and it's super homoerotic yeah and she's like and then uh, she's having sex with another guy and she's like I like a boy with a little kink a little bowie you know stuff like that and and it's just infiltrating society and normalizing things in a way and and that was always what it was it was like all of my friends my loved ones my sister's gay um, I am in a beautiful relationship with a non-binary person who was born a woman and um it's been it's been amazing and and harrowing because there's been so much heartbreak and oppression along the way seeing seeing my friends and myself get so maligned and and put down and I was just in Turkey with my girlfriend and we couldn't hold hands and people which is bizarre because they're six foot two um kept saying is this your brother Mm. and I was like yeah. Okay. And um, did you say in Italy as well? You got, Italy, we got um, surrounded. That's that. That it must was be really terrifying. Scary. It was, and I'm a small person. And Rain, my partner, was really uh, disturbed. It was, it was, it was silent menace. It was mm. the strangest thing. In Italy, previous to all the times I'd been there before, I never felt that way. Mm. And it was only because I was with my partner. And that's just like, come on, wake up, people, wake up. It's 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 heartbreaking that you're almost you. There's another layer of, of, of oppression there, yeah. Just because you're dating a non-binary person, yeah. Who who by the way has been on this show? Really? And, uh, yeah, Rain. Dove, it's incredible. Um, absolutely incredible. I was going to say the favorite guest we've had, but I think you've just you've just you've just pipped ha-ha, them. Ha ha, Rain. <laughs> and I bet you didn't win the porn game, <laughs> like me. And and am I right? Do correct me if I'm wrong, but am I right in thinking that you identify as non-binary yourself? I do. I guess I don't. I mean, it makes the most sense to me of anything. But you don't I, want to pick a label. I don't really want to pick a label. I don't like being anything other than myself. I think being yourself is a pretty cool thing to be. Mm. And I don't. You know, I've I've had relationships with women before, and and relations with men, and I. I hated it when people said you're straight. I hate that. Yeah. You're like cis white female, and I'm like, well, I guess white, but. Um, and I guess kind of says, I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's really complex, you know, mm. and it's, it's, um, it's a new frontier. And I think it's one that we're all kind of learning and tackling. I have older gay male friends that are like, what do I call people now? You know, and everybody's going through this change. And a lot of people get mad if you don't use the right pronoun, but pronouns are so hardwired. They're so hard. It's, it's, difficult. It's, it's difficult. I fuck up all the time and it's, and it's not out of any intention. It's just, it's grammar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've had quite a few non-binary guests on the show who have used they them pronouns, but they themselves have have said, you know, they get it all the time that people accidentally use the the wrong pronouns, but they're not going to attack people for that. They understand right. that it that it, that it's difficult and that it is hardwired. And I think if we I if got we're yelled all just... at by somebody that um like really yelled at because uh, I said I said he, but I didn't look, but the, it was very male presenting on the face, and then I didn't look down and notice the the outfit they were sure. wearing and it was more the voice for me it mm. was it was the voice was a traditionally more masculine voice and and i think that's also something that is is difficult to process because we hear a voice 
and we assume what goes with it, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think it's both grammar, because a lot of them, they doesn't necessarily work in sentences a lot that well. I think we just need a new goddamn dictionary. I wish we could just reinvent it. I find I start find, again. Start again. Yeah. I find the English language to be really narrow. Like happy, mad, sad, glad. I mean, they sound like words for two year olds. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, eh. and, yeah. and it, it just seems like we can do better. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. A little more nuance. What I find is interesting is this idea that you know society kind of tells us you know you are a girl and you conform to these ideas, or you are a boy and you conform to these ideas. But you growing up in the cult, you were almost in a separate world to that. You're almost taken yes. aside from that. And you talked about wearing your brother's clothes in, in Brave. Um, and you you identified more with wearing those clothes, wearing the male clothes, before society had kind of told you otherwise. Yeah. Do you think that was um, almost, you know, your, your, an understanding of your identity that you had before, you know, before you were even old enough to understand? Well, I was old enough to understand when they tried to take it away from me, that mm. I was resentful of that. Yeah. And that when they told me what I was and what I couldn't do, I was furious. And it made, as it does, no sense. I think I got, you know, imagine someone living kind of in the woods away from society who didn't speak the same language as people in society at all. Um, and then I mean, we had invented words. We had our own language in the cult. And... Um, then I get thrown into the world. And, and so when I do question things or I'm trying to figure things out, I'm coming from a place of like, I grew up with the wolves. Yeah. You know, I did not grow up like at, at two years old going to, you know, daycare and socializing and getting a pink, you know, Barbie doll. I, I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm, I'm missing it. But I don't miss it. I think it gave me a superpower, but it's also um, well, it was keeps a- you very alone. Yeah, well, it was a traumatic experience in, in, in itself. It was, but it was also, America was a lot more traumatizing to me, actually. Interesting. I found America much, much more hardcore than the cult. And was that, and was that because it was trying to force you in a box, or just in general, Very much everything so. America Kind of is. everything. And I, I say in the book, I'm like, dear America, why is your cheese orange? <laughs> it kind of says yes. it all. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about why the, the cheese is orange. Why is the che- <laughs> and it's called American cheese. Yeah, it's, and you can get it in a can. You can get it in a can that sprays. You can get it in plastic slices, you know, and it's plastic itself. Yes, American cheese. I found America really harrowing. I had things uh, in one state I lived in. I had things thrown at me every day. You're the ugliest thing i ever seen. And then you moved to another state and you were praised for beauty. For beauty. And I, and I thought, none of these people know me in either state, so I'm just gonna, not going to listen to any of them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's nicer when people like you because you're not having things thrown at you or trucks trying to run you Which over. Helps. So that's always more pleasant, you know, as a daily experience. But none of it added up. And I've never really had, which was so weird to become then an actress who was heavily photographed. I didn't, like, I'll get sick for three days and I'll forget what I look like. And I have to go look in the mirror and I'm like, oh. I still forget because mm. I, I don't attach to the external that much. Mm. Yeah. And, and I never did. And I think that's why I was so easily molded when I was an actress into this certain look that was like doing drag as a female. Yeah. You know, heavy drag. And I was so deeply uncomfortable. I, there were so many things wrong with how I looked and my life. I couldn't figure out what it was all of it. I thought it was like specific things, but it was really all of it. But I, I wish people wouldn't come at me as hard because I, I come in peace. 
Do, do, do you think you have found where you belong now? Do you feel comfortable in, in, in all of that, you know, in, in, in who you are as a person, the way you're presenting yourself, the way the world is perceiving you? Mm, no, um, I feel comfortable in and of myself and um, mostly at peace. You know, aging isn't fun. Who likes that? <laughs> well, you're aging, you're aging remarkably, if that, oh, if that thank helps. Thank you, darling. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's such a bummer. I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's happening to me. Ah, <laughs> damn it. But, um, you know, the way I just, I went on a radio show today on the BBC and the woman, she was like, I'm really glad I read your book because I hated you before I did. Yeah, And the way the media has really portrayed me as this really strident, angry person, I'm like, no, you were just asking me the wrong fucking questions mm. and you were annoying me. Yeah, And they were such basic questions that I suppose if I answered with an edge in my voice, it's, it's you know, trust me, it's not me, it's you. I, I think... There's a there. There's always been huge misconceptions about yeah. me. Yeah. Well, you you've been lovely to me the full hour that you have been well, here. Well, it's been an honor to be here, Karen. <laughs> I hope none of my questions have been basic. One, Not one at or two, all. Maybe. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. No, it's more like you know, where's me two going? And I'm like uh, on a journey. I don't uh, fucking know. I'm I not have, in charge of. That. I'm not That's in charge. Not... I don't have tea leaves. Oh, let me consult my crystal fucking ball that I keep in my back pocket. <laughs> you dimwit. I don't know. Where's it going? Hopefully, people won't sexually harass other people and will. I'll be cool and rape will stop and the world will be better. I don't know. I must say that is a great answer. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that does actually bring us to the end of the Aww. show. So Brave is now available in paperback in all good bookstores everywhere. All good bookstores or audiobook. I narrate it myself. Ooh. And there's two of my songs on the audiobook. So why am I wasting, wasting my time reading the actual thing when I should be listening to your beautiful voice? I don't know, my darling. I do not know. Big mistake. Big, big, mi- mi- big mistake. No, Helen. the paperback. There's something nice about having paper in your hands, I think. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I agree. And the, and and the smell of the book. And you can carry it on the tube. You can go around. The smell yeah. of a book. It's, and, and I still am shocked. I'm like, I wrote a fucking book. I can't believe it. Well, it's, it's a lot of words. It's a lot of thoughts to get down oh, on the page. I felt like my brain was melting. I had to use much more than I was used to as an actress. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I, I feel like I've been in your head all afternoon. It's, it's a very strange thing to have, have read your book, your literal thoughts, and then yeah. to be sat it, here with you. Yeah, that must be strange. <laughs> so now you have to write a book so um, I can read about you I, I, and your I, thoughts. I just finished writing my book. You did? Not, not supposed to plug myself here. but You did? I did. I just Is it finished. out yet? It's not out yet, but hopefully. I'll send you a copy. Will you please? I, w- I, w- I would love to send so you a copy. That's so exciting. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a and lot. Did you write it's it all a, yourself? Yeah, all myself. Yeah, me all too. Myself. And it was that. It's an incredible journey. Go us. Go us. Go us. High five, authors. Yeah, let's do a high five. Well, Rose, you have been an ama- you've been amazing. And again, I just I can't thank you enough for all the incredible work that you have done and that you I'm sure will continue to do. Um, you're a superstar. You're adorable. <laughs> you're wonderful. <laughs> uh, you also have a, a little tour coming up as well, don't you, with Brave? I do, yeah. It's at the end of May and April. Um, I'll be at the South Bank Centre. Amazing. And then around, you know, Ireland and other places. So you're at South Bank Centre on the 4th of May. Thank you for telling me. That's when I'll be there. <laughs> so I'll be at the South Bank Centre on the 4th of May. I think you all should come. I think we'll have a lot of fun. And, um, you know, what's a... Let's hit it out of the park and raise some consciousness. Maybe I'll pop along. Would you please? I would love to. We can go out for a drink after. Amazing. Well, I'm going to play you out with a little bit of Undrunk by Fletcher. Wish I could get a little undrunk so I couldn't call you at five in the morning. I would unfuck you. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.